We are live. Oh, we are live. Hi. We're That's live. So good. Yeah. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, <laughs> welcome to uh, Talking Paranormally, uh, the uh, the mixed panel. I fell. Oh, there the, you uh, are. The uh, the mixed mixed panelist show. Uh, where we're going to talk about haunted hotels, and we've got an amazing uh, panel for you. Uh, I am David Vox Mullen. I am the uh, CEO of the DVM Production Empire, aka DVMPE, which is a podcast network for uh, people who like to uh, produce and listen to podcasts. Uh, with me uh, is Rebecca Rivers. Hello. Uh, Rebecca is a co-host and the resident believer on Ghostly Podcast. Uh, she has been interested in the paranormal and all things spooky since childhood. Uh, Rebecca is also the host of the Walking Dead Podcast on the DBMPE uh, and can be heard on multiple Memoriam Development Podcasts, including Freak of the Week and Mr. Wiggly's Moist and Happy Friendship Garden. Say that three times fast. The name. Uh, Rebecca has received her master's degree in English literature from DePaul University and loves sharing creepy bedtime stories on Ghostly's YouTube channel, and she's running for president of the United States of America. That's she's it. got my vote. Announce it tonight. And, uh, and of course, you, you, you couldn't uh, talk about Rebecca without talking about her famous co-host, Patrick Harrington. Pat is the other half of the Ghostly and the Walking Dead podcast, also on the DBMPE network. Uh, while Patrick is known as the skeptic, uh, he has a love for everything spooky. He promises to behave today. Uh, you can find Mostly. Pat. On, you can find Pat on almost all of the Memoriam Development podcasts, or watching the live streams of Bob After Dark when he's not behind the microphone. He's also the one with the background right now. Uh, <laughs> that would be the Ghostly podcast uh and yes. and speaking of bob after dark ladies and gentlemen we have bob anderson uh bob, oh, hey there everybody yep bob is the host of the paranormal podcast bob after dark so it's not just a coincidence uh he has been a paranormal enthusiast since he was a wee lad uh bob has dabbled in many aspects of the spooky world from both research and investigations bob is a sort of swiss army knife in the occult in the occulty world uh, knowing a bit about not only ghostly hauntings, but cryptozoology and demonology. Uh, Bob also helps people with any sort of paranormal phenomenon that they may be experiencing. I have a strange feeling in this lower region you might be able to help me out with. I don't know uh, if it's a spirit <laughs> or just uh, Jimmy John's. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, some would call him our headliner, uh, is Tony Zabelski. Uh, Tony grew up in old town neighborhoods of Chicago, where he learned to appreciate great architecture of the city. Uh, he attended St. Michael and St. Angela schools and graduated from St. Patrick High School. There's a lot of saints going on. Uh, going on to attend Loyola University and the College of DuPage. Uh, Tony is a longtime paranormal investigator with various teams in the Chicagoland area, including hands-on paranormal and Chicago hauntings tours. He's appeared on My Ghost Story on the Biography Channel and on the Fox News Channel in Chicago, as well as on the reboot of Psychic Kids and WGN News. He started as a tour guide with Haunted Hometowns Corporation in 2011, doing ghost tours and cemetery ghost haunts in suburban Chicago, and, and he loves showing visitors and natives the haunted history of our storied region. 
as well as a few other things, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> well, I'm excited. Wow. This is this is going to be a fun uh, discussion. I, I have been to uh, at least one of the hotels that we're going to be talking about, uh, and I'm and I'm very excited because I I love the the spookiness of uh, just haunts, you know, area haunts, and and how people can can access and and go to them and and and, and what what have you. Uh, but uh, why don't we open things up and we're going to start with uh, we're going to start with Tony first because, uh, well, just because I have the, the outline and that's what I say we're going to do. You have so, the power. I have the power. By the power so Tony, of Grayskull. Tony today is going to be talking about the famous Congress Plaza Hotel. Tony, take it away. Well, thank you. That was a great introduction. Thank you. I'm a good reader. Um, right? <laughs> yeah, you read that perfectly. Uh, well, as as David said, uh, I'm Tony. Uh, work at Chicago Hauntings Tour Company, and in working for the Chicago Hauntings Tour Company, uh, our ghost tours, our bus ghost tours, and several of our other tours start out at the Congress Plaza Hotel. Also, through the company and my own investigations, I've been able to investigate this hotel many, many the years. Uh, now, for those of you not familiar with the Congress Hotel, uh, it's one of Chicago's oldest hotels. It was built uh, in 1893. It was built in anticipation of the World's Fair coming. It opened in 1893. I mean, they built it in various stages up to that point. It was uh, built in anticipation of the World's Fair coming here to Chicago that year. Um, it has its ties through through to the mob and Al Capone is, you know, Capone used to run some of his operations out of that hotel. Some members of his gang did live there. The South side outfit that Capone belonged to um, one of the ballrooms, the Florentine room. He used to hold uh, some of his parties. There. There's a little poker room that they used to go to after the parties play poker. Uh, some say the hotel has its connections to the serial killer H.H. H. Holmes and that maybe he picked up some of his victims there, uh, but uh, that's not completely verified. But now it is known as a suicide hotel. That's probably what it's most known for, and that probably is what's caused the majority of the hauntings there. Uh, there's been many, many suicides in that hotel from uh, its very early day, uh, right about the year 1900. A Spanish-American war veteran. His name was Captain Louis Ostheim. Um, on the eve of his wedding day, uh, now this guy left no note, no like suicide note, uh, no apparent reason for suicide, but uh, just in the middle of the night, he took out a gun and he blew his brains out. Now, some say he did suffer from like night terrors, um, but to this day, nobody knows if it, it, he committed suicide because of something, some experience that happened at the Congress, or was there something else going on in his life? That was the very first one. Uh, throughout the years, there have been like so many that it's almost too many to even get into. Um, you can look through ones. like old newspaper articles. What was that? So give us the best ones. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the best one. Okay, the best one is a the 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 12th floor of the North Tower. There's two towers in that building. There's a North Tower, which is the older one, the 1893 one, and then the South Tower, which is the newer one. And when I say newer, I'm talking about like 1902. Um, 
the twelfth floor of the North Tower is considered the most haunted floor in the whole hotel. Hmm. Um, what haunts that, or what's been seen mainly up there, is this little boy spirit. Um, if anybody, some of you said you ate in the hotel. If any, I don't know if any of you have ever been up to the twelfth floor. It almost reminds me of the movie The Shining. Um, hmm. Could almost imagine looking down one of the very narrow hallways parts of the hallways get very narrow, oh. and uh you could almost imagine looking down there and seeing like those two little kids standing down there looking at you, you know, red rum um mm. but this little boy uh, spirit's been seen up there a number of times and um we believe goes back to a murder suicide that happened at the hotel in 1939 a uh, mother and her two sons come here they were um, immigrants from Czechoslovakia. The intention was for the whole family to immigrate here. The father stays back in the old country. He's got to sell their uh, business, uh, sell their house. Now, they're only here temporarily. They said like a temporary visa. Um, several months go by, and the mother loses contact with the father. Some say that during this time, she may have suffered a nervous breakdown. Hmm. Now, not only did she not want to initially leave her home country, but she also is afraid of being sent back there. Because right at that time frame in the late 1930s, Czechoslovakia is being taken over by Hitler and the Nazis. Right. So this all may have caused her to suffer a nervous breakdown. Um, they were staying up on the 12th floor of the Congress Hotel. Um, a room that is still open and still able to be occupied. I don't know if I'm at liberty to say the room number. Um, one very beautiful, sunny August afternoon, she takes the two boys to spend the day at the Lincoln Park Zoo, come back to their hotel room. She opens the windows. She pushes the two boys out first, mm. and then she jumps out right after them, killing all three of them. Wow. Yikes. Now, yeah, that's probably the, 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 the worst one. Now, they say that somehow the oldest son, the six-year-old, his name is Carl Langer, somehow the coroner's office misplaces his body. They also say the newspapers didn't give him a lot of coverage the next day. They talked about the younger son, um, the John, the younger son, and mother. Uh, but there wasn't much said about the older son. So it's believed he's the one still haunting that 12th floor. Mm. The not really a glowing advertisement for the Lincoln Park Zoo. <laughs> not, not really. No. <laughs> uh, uh, what's even sadder about all that is shortly after that, the um, hotel does receive a telegram from the father saying that the family was granted residency in Canada. Oh. But they had a time that was too late that his whole family was gone. Wow. Wow. So that's probably the worst one. That's insane. That's wild. Mm -hmm. And that 12th floor is just, it's just, as soon as you get off the elevator, you could feel something there. It's not in the best of condition. I mean, for a hotel in downtown Chicago, you would think it would look nicer than the yeah. 12th floor does. There are doors that don't match. 
Yeah. There are parts of the walls which your parts are just ripped apart. There's paint that doesn't match. The carpet looks really old. And I said some of the hallways get very narrow as you go around the corner. Wow. Yeah. That's weird. Well, with yeah. the lobby, you would think the lobby is so beautiful. You would yeah. think it. The lobby is beautiful. But I always like to tell people the lobby is like present time. But if you get in that elevator, you go up to the 12th floor, you're getting as close to 1893 as you can get. You know, and before we before we started the show, I mentioned that I had I'd actually spent the night there. Um, I, I just wanted to interject because I did not know any of that, and so to me that's really interesting. And I th- maybe you might be interested in knowing, but uh, this was back in like I want to say 1999. Well, I was uh, I was staying at the Congress Hotel. Uh, I was I was in a traveling uh, rock group at the time, and so we were actually performing on the Jenny Jones show. And so the Jenny Jones production company put us up at that hotel. And I don't, I don't want to be stupid because mm-hmm. I don't know what floor we were on, but we were high up. So it may have been the 12th floor. Um, but I was. 12th is the highest in the North Tower. The South Tower is the 14th. Okay. So we, we were, we were way up. We were way up. But the interesting thing to me was um, I happened to have a, a, a female with me at the time. And uh, we're not going there. And um, but what was interesting was in the middle of the night, I woke up and she was uh, very adamant about how she was not uh, she was not in a good place. Uh-huh. And she was like, there's she, she was just like, I can't sleep. This is something's wrong. I don't and I'm like, what's wrong? And she's like, I can't explain it, but something's uh-huh. wrong. And I was just like, oh, and, you know, we just kind of, you know, talked it off and whatever. But, but looking back, hearing all that, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, and I, how twisted is that? Like, you know, maybe right. something was like messing with her head or whatever. I don't know. But it was, that it was, was a dingy at all. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, I've gotten to know a lot of the security staff there, and they've, they have many, many stories of even people, even some celebrities, hmm. leaving in the middle of the night because they couldn't stay there. Yeah, it's weird. Like really weird. one that rhymes with Rad Brit. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tony, well, I know you have a lot of stories um, yeah. I, I, because we took your tour. <laughs> so, um, and you, you did share some of them. So I'm excited to hear. Yeah, give us more. Give us more. Uh, like my own personal experience? Whatever you'd I would like love to share. Please, please. Yeah. <laughs> There are rooms that they've sealed off in that hotel mm. uh, that they don't use anymore. One of them is old room 666. Ooh, I wonder why. Off because, <laughs> yeah, but exactly. Nobody wanted to stay in 666. Uh, but there are others that uh, I found at least two other rooms that are closed off. Look like there's a double lock, like a double lock on the door, and they've taken the room number off it. Security will not tell me why they've closed off that rooms, mm. but also a uh, room four four one. They hadn't talked about that yet. That's in the south tower. That is considered the room that gets more calls about strange activity in it that go to the front desk than any other room in the hotel. Wow. Mainly, what people call about is they're awoken in the middle of the night by a woman standing or hovering over their bed. Sometimes she's even pulling on the covers. Uh, nobody knows who this woman is. 
Um, some have speculated she could be the mother of the two boys that did the murder-suicide in 1939, but nobody knows 100% for sure. But one of the more interesting things to happen, I've had several things happen there. We used to do paranormal investigations there. Um, the first few years that I worked for the Chicago Haunts Tour Company, we would actually rent out, um, Ursula would rent out a room, um, and we'd bring people there to do investigations. They've kind of not let us do that the last couple of years. They've kind of poo-pooed it a little bit. Uh, but one of the nights when we were doing an investigation there, I had a friend of mine who's worked on and off with the tour company. He was helping me with the investigation. We were we had a group of maybe about eight people. We were heading from, I want to say it was either the 12th floor or the six, room 666 outside it in the hallway on the North Tower over to room 441 on the South Tower. Now, this was wintertime. They close off usually a section of the hotel or several sections of the hotel in the winter because they don't use it as much. They keep a few minimal lights on. They do still keep it heated. Uh, as we were Coming out of the elevator on the uh, the 400 wing, you have to go through a long hallway, which over to the south tower from the north tower. As we are heading down this hallway, we're going over to room 441. You can clearly see the sign say room 441 is like straight ahead. My one friend who was assisting me that night, he kind of walked a little bit ahead of the group. I was standing a little further back. Um, it was me. I think my daughter was with me. And uh, one of the ladies, uh, paid for the investigation and instead of seeing my friend go straight down the hallway the three of us that are in the front see him take a turn to the right hmm. not where room 441 is and I kind of wonder why he went that way instead of to the room so I stopped the group and I'm like I'm gonna go see where he went thought maybe he saw something down there went down there was calling his name looking up and down the stairwell couldn't see him at all so I went back to the group. I said, well, I don't know where he went, but he knows this hotel. I'm sure he'll find us. So we walk over to room 441. Now, 441 is the first hallway door. You open the hallway door. It's the first room beyond the door. And he is standing in front of the room, kind of with his hands on his hip. He just looks at us, and he's like, you know, where you guys been? What took you so long? Hmm. And I just kind of looked at him and I said, no, that's not the question. The question should be, where have you been? Because several of us saw you go down the other hallway. And he insists yeah. to this day that he just went straight down the hallway into the room. Wow. So crazy. So that's kind of one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wow. Let's call it my his doppelganger. We saw <laughs> his doppelganger. Wow, that's crazy. Um, we actually, I mean, are, are we okay to open up for questions? Because I do see we yeah, have some coming and we can wait. Okay. Well, well uh, I, okay. I was going to say, I, I, I have a question. Yes. I want mm-hmm. I want to know what Bob's theory is for what happened to Tony. And I actually have an experience at the Congress that mm-hmm. I was waiting for things to open up so I could <laughs> tell you my experience because mine's weird. I was um, I was in the St. Patrick's Day Parade downtown Chicago with the, the Windy City Ghostbusters. And I was staring in a room, and we actually, I think, were in 441, oddly enough. Uh, we, and Me and the New York City Ghostbusters were splitting a room, and we got back late. This was like Friday. We were out partying all night. 
And we get back to the hotel where we're full Ghostbuster garb and we're dying of everything. And this group of girls come on the elevator because they see us and they're like, we need your help. <laughs> I'm like, well, group of girls are asking for help. Mm-hmm. I'm dressed as a Ghostbuster. I have mm-hmm. to go. And, and all that like, equipment's real too. It's not. Yeah. It's a prop. Oh. Uh, <laughs> we get to the room and they say, our alarm clock's going off. Okay. Well, I went to the alarm clock and it was playing music and I was like, but it was switched off. And I was like, okay. So I flipped the thing over and I was like, maybe they put batteries in it. Pop open the battery compartment. There was no batteries. And I said, okay, I'll unplug it. I unplugged it from the wall and the alarm clock was still playing. I turned to wow. Dan and I said, Dan was my friend from New York city. I'm like, Dan, we have to go converse outside real quick. Ladies we will be right back. We go out in the hall and I'm like, I have no idea what we're doing. And he's like, what is wrong with the alarm clock? I don't know. It keeps playing music and I unplugged it. At this time, a lady comes out from the cross the hall room and she comes out and she's like, what are you guys doing so loudly? I'm like, lady, I'm here for infest professional investigation job. Go away. <laughs> so the group of girls come out with this alarm clock and they're like, it's still playing. What do we do? And I just looked at it and I said, stop playing. And I left it in the hallway and I'm like, go to bed. And that was the that was the last of my uh, my story at the Congress. But no, that wow. was a legitimately weird situation. And I was there with um, Dan, and a security guard was walking us through the under tunnels of the hotel because my friend got his proton pack shipped and to the hotel. Oh, and as yeah. we were walking, I kid you not, the the hallways under the lobby seemed to keep getting narrower and narrower. And the security guard, I'm like, is that normal? He's like, no. So the security guard said, hold on. And he just yells out, stop. I don't go away. And I kid you not, as we were walking, the the hallway seemed to get less narrow as we were walking. And I said to him, well, that doesn't make any sense. He's like, I'm kid you not. This place will eat you alive if you feed into any of the energy here. And I was like, excuse me? He's like, this place is one of the very haunted I'm like, I oh, oh. gotta be kidding me. So no, that's a true story. We had weird experiences that entire weekend. Wow. So Tony, does that drive with what you've had with your the security guards that you've talked to there? Oh that yeah. They oh for sure. Yeah. They almost all of them have stories. Or they're either they'll tell the stories or they're too afraid to tell the stories. Wow. And wow. there is um some of the stories are uh with in terms of like manipulating electronics. Uh, there was this old Chicago city judge who, when he retired, he lived full-time in the Congress hotel. Oh, must be nice. As when he was does. living, he's kind of a prankster. He used to like to run up and down the hallways with the old remote control clickers and people's TVs on and off. Oh. And they say after his death, he's still manipulating the electronics throughout the hotel. Interesting. <laughs> huh. So uh, I could have been dealing with the judge that entire time. And I was just have been dealing with the judge. Jeez. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, all I'll say is I've stayed at the Congress. My family used to rent a room. And I'm now that you're saying the 12th floor is like the top floor and the one side, I don't know which where we were, but we used, my aunt used to always mm-hmm. rent a room to watch the fireworks on July 3rd, back when that was a okay. thing. Thank so growing up, yeah. I yeah, I would we would go and do that. I didn't I did not have anything spooky happen though. So I don't have any stories. But it was a cool hotel and I love staying there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tony, can I ask you a question? Yes, it definitely is. 
Uh, Tony, can I, Tony, can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard of anything weird going on in the ballroom? The last time I was there, I just did a quick mm-hmm. walking tour with a friend of mine. We were there, and I was showing him around because he was in from out of town. And I was like, you know, Congress is supposedly one of the most haunted. And the Bell staff was actually talking about the ballroom. And they were trying to get us in there after hours, but they couldn't. And I was just curious. They were saying that's probably the hottest spot in the hotel. I was curious if you knew which ballroom. There's, there's, there's several small ballrooms, but there's two main big ballrooms. It's the big one. You know which one it was? I do the not. The gold room. Yes, I think which is all been. like gold plated. I didn't yeah, get that's a chance considered. To go in. They were saying that was, but I remember now they did say it was the gold one. That might have been what they okay, said. Yeah, but the I remember them room. saying that was like the most haunted spot in the hotel. Okay, yeah, I've heard that same thing. Uh, we, unfortunately, they would never let us do any investigating in there. The security guards would take us in there and show it to people, you know, with the lights on, and they could take pictures and things like that. Um, I've heard that people have had experiences, um, especially seeing people in, like, older Victorian clothing there. Um, there was a kitchen I think it's still there, but they don't really use it off that ballroom. In you, even with nobody in that kitchen, you could hear like the pots and pans like clanging together, mm-hmm. like like as, as if someone were in there cooking and doing things. Uh, also, I know one of the security guards told me, even though the gas had been disconnected in that kitchen, um, several times they've gotten calls of gas gas smells coming from there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yikes. And then the Florentine is the older ballroom. That's the one that Capone used to hold his uh, functions in. Um, I guess it was it was used as a roller skating rink at some point too. Uh, and they say they can hear still hear the sounds of like you know the music that they'll play as you're roller skating. Uh, plus, there's a piano in the corner of that one, which uh, people have said that piano is on its own. Now, was that after like the Northside Gang was out and he was in more control over everything? Uh, well, I guess the Congress, well, from what I've understood, some of the Northside gang did live in the Congress also, Okay. but many of Al Capone's men did rent suites in the Congress hotel, mm-hmm. including his chief bookkeeper, a guy named Jake Greasy Thumbs Guzik. Oh, um, that's a name. So Capone was there a lot. Yeah. Yeah. They all had great names. <laughs> uh, so Capone was there a lot and. Being the South Side outfit, I guess it that was considered anything south of the Chicago River. So the Congress would be south of the Chicago River. Okay, so right. technically, technically, that would have been Capone's territory. Gotcha. My uh, my uncle had his wedding at uh, the Congress, and they mm-hmm. they had one of the ballrooms. I don't know which one it was. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember a lot of gold, so maybe it was a. a the other one I, I remember there was a piano in the room so maybe it was okay the other that's one. probably the florentine room the florentine room yeah i mean it was it was a large it was room like, it was like the candelabras coming out of the walls on the sides yeah yeah yeah, yeah but, that's the but, florentine. so so yeah so just hearing this i want to go back because at, at that wedding the wedding was i don't know like 95 96 i want to go back and like they had the um those disposable kodak cameras back then yeah mm-hmm. that they they put on everybody's tables and everybody was taking right. just ridiculous pictures and i would love to go back and just go through all those pictures and see if anything shows up mm-hmm. you know, oh, like yeah. orbs yeah yeah just One because we because we were there through... go ahead 
I was gonna say one of the longtime security guards, a uh, guy who still works there, his name John. He's been there for like thirty some years. He has a lot of great ghost stories. But he tells one story of that Florentine room of a, a security guard who was um I guess he got a call. Somebody saw something in there one night. He went up there to see what was going on. He opened it up, looked around, didn't see anything. As he was closing the door, he reached up to shut the light off and he felt a hand come up and like glide all down his arm. Ooh. And at least according to the security guard, John, that this guy marched into the uh, security manager's office the next day, put his keys down on the desk and said, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not yeah. working here anymore. Ugh. Yeah, wow. that's that's freaky. That's freaky. Um, and so let's let's run out to some questions here. Uh, we have uh, some listeners and viewers sending in their questions. And please, if you are watching, make sure you ask questions. We'll happily share the ones that we can. Uh, one we have right now is from Reading with with Mrs. H, uh, and, the, and I'm assuming it's uh, Mrs. So we're going to say she has a question. This, she's saying this is still a functioning hotel, right? Like yeah, people still oh, yes. go to this hotel. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and then she asks, are there tours available there specifically for ghost stories? And I'm you mentioned that we, you were doing. We used to be able to do them, but they're not allowing us to go beyond the first floor anymore, the lower level. Uh, but you start most of your tours there, right? The we do. Our bus tours do meet yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we have another listener question going back to the story of the woman with her children uh, mm-hmm. from the ex-Epic ex-Mechanic uh, has a question. How the heck do you misplace a body? <laughs> yeah, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. That was just the story that was out in the newspapers that they somehow m- misplaced it. Mm. That's that's fascinating. I mean, and, and again, you know, the Congress. I mean, anytime you go down to the to the Lakeshore, I mean, you see the Congress Hotel. You you don't you don't really think right. much about it, but you forget. Like, wow, just just the the Capone connection and and just all that stuff mm. is like, man, it was it was uh, spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, During those days, too, people would uh, steal bodies and then hold them for ransom. Yeah. So they were mm-hmm. being held for ransom after they were dead. Which is weird, you know. Well, they also needed them like, to keep vote. them now, I guess, so. you know. Yeah, they also needed them to vote in the '60s, but that's true, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> uh, allegedly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna move on if that's all right, because uh, because Tony, we could do this all night. This is great. Oh, um, good. Yes. Uh, but we're gonna move on to Bob, oh, who yeah. is going to share his story. On the ambassador. Ooh, the ambassador. Now, fun fact: there is an ambassador hotel in Chicago, but that's not the one I'm talking about. Forget that I, one. I'm talking about the ambassador hotel in this far off foreign land, in a place called Wisconsin, specifically in a place called Milwaukee, which also could be pronounced as Milwaukee. Wings World. Tell us, tell us about the ambassador. So the ambassador was built way back in 1927. Pat, you were there for opening night, right? Of course. Yeah, I'm pretty (laughs) old. So, yeah. (laughs) It was designed by architects Urban Peacock and Armin Frank. The interior is decked out in an exquisite Art Deco style. When entering, you are greeted by a scene straight out of a certain Stephen King novel. Lavish marble floors, brass and bronze finishings, and even the original bronze elevator doors are on site. 
the main lounge, the Envoy Lounge, was the original lounge built for the hotel. According to locals, it's best to go during happy hour because if you buy one drink, you get the second signature drink for the price you would have paid back in 1928. The hotel has 131 guest rooms and 10 of them are Whirlpool Suite. Now that I laid out a Travel Channel-esque documentary, <laughs> let's get spooky. Now, there were many high-class guests who have stayed there over the years. One of the biggest two claim to fames was a band maybe you guys have heard of called The Beatles. No, it doesn't ring the a bell. Beatless? The Beatles? The, the Beatles. Beatles. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Sounds familiar. And, Let them be. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Fox. And the uh, polar opposite to the Beatles would have been a guy by the name of Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, Whoa. Whoa. You may have heard the name Jeffrey he Dahmer. played with before. the Beatles? No, he did not. He was the, the, Beatle. <laughs> he was the other Beatle. Uh, Je- <laughs> uh, if you don't know who Jeffrey Dahmer is, he was a serial killer who stalked male victims in the greater Milwaukee area. Dahmer is said to be one of the most infamous and well-known serial killers of all time. In the year 1987, Jeff had a room rented and took his victim there and, well, proceeded to kill him. What's even scarier than a murder happening on site of this Milwaukee beautiful hotel is how Jeffrey got away with it. It is said that Dahmer smuggled the body in a suitcase and carried it down the flights of stairs. Yep, that sounds like him. <laughs> uh, the victim's name was Stephen Toomey, T-O-U-M-I, and he was killed in room 507. It is said that if you stay in room 507, people say that you can actually see Stephen's corpse laying on the mattress itself slugged over because the way he died it was basically severe alcohol poisoning and various other poisonings with blunt force trauma so people say that if you stay in that room and you walk in at certain points of the evening you'll actually see the slumped corpse Uh, other weird strange encounters that happen in that place include beds being made and unmade without the hotel cleaning staff present uh different objects people like the housemaids will leave behind will actually reappear down later down the hall or things will just disappear and never return again and if you look at TripAdvisor, multiple claims have been made by certain uh, reviewers and one even has an interesting photo on TripAdvisor of them staying in room 507 and on the mirror which i guess they could have staged but it's still a good story nonetheless on the mirror in fog they actually saw the word help being written out wow. on the mirror. And that's the story of the ambassador wow. hotel. Uh, it's Milwaukee's like grand ballroom esque hotel. And it's really interesting because not a whole lot of people talk about it, but it's really kind of important, especially for like the true crime people that are into that stuff, because mm-hmm. it is the scene of Dahmer's first murder. And I mean, there is a lot of history that goes in there. The Paps family, if you guys are beer drinkers, the Paps Blue Ribbon family, I mean, they had like a lot of ties with that hotel as well. And I mean, you got to think of how many people came and went through there over the years. So you know where they got their blue ribbon from, Bob? I do not. Tony, I'm sure you know this. I do, yes. I, I want to hear it. 1893 World's Fair. What would they win it for? Best tasting beer? 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I mean, this That's... was 1893, though. So I, right, I, I, and, and do keep in mind that that was the last award the company ever won. I, look, I that's awesome. listen, I'm a Pabst fan myself. I like, that's my, I, I, I like Pabst. That's my, that's my beer of yeah, choice. Mm-hmm. But I've actually never been to the Ambassador Hotel. But the reason why I picked it is because it's local-ish to Chicago, and I knew Tony was talking about the Congress, so mm-hmm. I wanted to pick someplace close by. And apparently, when you look at TripAdvisor, there's a lot of people talking about a lot of really scary stuff that goes on there. I'd I've like to take there. this opportunity to point out that TripAdvisor is in no way sponsoring this production at all. There are not, but you know what? <laughs> TripAdvisor Trip yeah. can go over to the Bob After Dark's Facebook page and it can sponsor me yeah. <laughs> as much as I travel for the show. I've <laughs> been I've been to the Ambassador. Oh, have you? What? Yes, I have. I have. Um, oh, you've been there, Tony? No, no, I have not. Oh, I have, hmm. I've been to the, the Fister, but not the Ambassador. Mm-hmm. Okay, I... um. So I used to go up there like occasionally to go to the safe house, which is a really oh, cool spy bar. Yes. Um, and uh, one time I just happened to, you know, want to check out different things. And I, I did happen to go in there. It was, you know, it, it wasn't as big as, as like it sounds by your description. It was, it was smaller yeah, than like smaller a Congress Plaza, but, but it was definitely luxurious looking, you know, in an odd way. It was like, there was like an odd twist to things. I, I don't know how to explain it. It was luxurious, but then when you like, it felt like it was like cheap luxury, like, like it was all just made uh, to look like it was expensive. Like the Trump hotel. <laughs> Very much like the Trump motel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting you know, that, so so many times when we tell stories of the haunted hotels or haunted places, right? The person who died was from a hundred years ago, over a hundred years ago. You know, it's, it's usually some old thing that, you know, no one could verify. We couldn't verify what happened, you know, anything. Whereas this, you're talking about a ghost that is from 1987. So, you know, these are stories that are recent you know, ish, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when yeah. it comes to, to ghosts. So that's, that's really interesting that it's an older hotel, but they didn't get a ghost uh, for a while <laughs> until yeah. a little bit later or potentially, I don't know uh, if they had stuff before that, but. When I was in college, I actually um, majored, I was a criminal justice major and I had a detective from Naperville that, um, that actually had footage of the detectives going into Dahmer's um, apartment. Mm. And um, that's what really spooked me and made me not want to do anything with criminal justice is because. <laughs> oh, because you got to look at the footage. Yeah. Because they like, it looked like a, just a normal apartment. Like, a, it, I mean. till they opened the fridge. Yeah. till they opened yeah. the fridge. Or, or the drawer. Like there was but, like. Yeah. Body parts all over the place. Yeah. In various little spots. Like you would expect to see a kitchen knife here, but no, there is a it's a hand. There was a there was a hand. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I would like Torsos. to point out that Dahmer actually took Steven's body from the suitcase at the con- uh, not the Congress, I'm sorry, at the ambassador. He took the suitcase back to the house wow. that he was staying at and stored it in the basement for a couple months. So something that people don't don't all know about is that he had a vat of um, some kind of acid that he kept um, modifying because what his goal was is to 
uh, drill into people's heads and then pour this in there and make them into zombies. Yeah. So that's what wow. he wanted. He wanted sex zombies. He, um, his father was a, uh, I don't want to say an undertaker, but he was, uh, he had access to embalming fluid in his career. Oh yeah. So, um, Dahmer was messing around with that stuff, even as a kid and as an early teenager, he was always doing weird experiments and stuff with this embalming fluid and those vats of things like Pat was saying, I, he was a very strange cat. And part of the reason why I pick this story out is because in the world of podcasting, you have like the true crime people and you have the paranormal people. And we hang out on the same bowling like alley and we bowl on the same league, but we're on separate teams. But occasionally, sometimes you have the paranormal stories mixed with the true crime and you actually intersect at a point. And this is a case where we have a supposed spirit of a direct victim of probably one of the major like figures in the true crime world, which is Dahmer. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, uh, I think we lost Tony. Uh Oh, I was about to ask him a question too. Jeez. Uh, let's his, hope he gets back in. Maybe his yeah. spirit will, will show up. Uh, there are no, oh, wait, he's coming back. He's coming he's back. Coming back. Okay. There hey, Tony. Hey, Tony. Here we go. Wait, is this <laughs> really Tony or is this the ghost of Tony? This is this is my doppelganger from the oh, okay. gotcha. <laughs> We saw Tony go that way, but now he's coming this way. <laughs> yeah, now I came back this way. Mm. So Tony Bob had a question. Yeah. I was gonna ask you yeah. about my case here, Tony, and mm -hmm. why you would suppose why, in your opinion, hearing the story, would you think that it would be haunted? Uh well, we he killed him in the room. Five, yeah, in room 507. Yeah, that, that right there would do it. <laughs> uh, a sudden traumatic death in the room. Yeah. That definitely would do it right there. Yeah. 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 And who knows what happened before him, even. Right. You know? Yeah. Who know, Yeah. What type of torture or whatever else he did. Well, yeah. You know, um, he used to pick up some of his victims in Chicago. Oh, oh yeah. Really? He did. Yeah. Huh. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. We do have a question. Let me we put do. that. Yeah, we do. Uh, we do. Um, <laughs> that is from Memoriam Development. Oh, um, yeah. Is it, you may not is it, think is it really? Yeah, yeah, you may not want to take that question. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Please please keep your questions uh, family friendly. <laughs> Somebody can ask another question really. and I'm happy to answer it or something. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and again, if you're if you're watching or listening, please uh, feel free to ask any questions. Now is an excellent opportunity uh, for anybody uh, as as we continue to uh, to do this. Um, I can say the one thing from Memoriam Development, which was uh, orbs are my favorite, is more. Of yeah, a, yeah. I think it's Nick. I think Nick loves I'm, orbs. I'm, I'm fairly certain that was Nick. Yeah. Ghost <laughs> of moderator pass. Right. Right. Um, yeah, that's a that's an excellent story, Bob. That is that is really yeah. good. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're 100 percent right with the with the the intersect of the paranormal podcasts and the and the true crime. I mean, I I definitely am a fan of both myself. Yeah, uh -huh. and, and uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. To, to see oh, there's it's it's there's nothing wrong with either one i well obviously I'm, I'm a paranormal podcaster but i like listening to the true crime stuff yeah yeah uh, but the um you don't ever really see like us hanging out at the same thing but this is one of those times where they both work you know yeah yeah 
Well, and, and, and to, to, you know, give some kudos to ghostly. I mean, that ghostly podcast, uh, obviously a lot of the stuff that you guys cover, uh, does intersect with that true crime stuff as well. I mean, we again, try every once in a while. To yeah. Do that I mean, you, I mean, I love true crime, so yeah, absolutely. Anytime I can, (laughs) you turn on the HLN channel, man. Forensic Files is running twenty four seven. Oh my gosh, that's the worst (laughs) thing for my family because my my wife will go up to bed and I'll be like, I'll be right up, and I flip over, and then it's on, and then it's like three hours later. I've watched like three documentaries (laughs) on HLN. HLN Forensic Files is on. All the time. I don't think I've ever seen anything on HLN that wasn't forensic. <laughs> it's kind of like the alien guy on the History Channel. Oh, this guy, right? Aliens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, well, let's let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, Pat, you have a story that you're going to share with us about the Langham Hotel. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, and then we'll get into some other stuff too. But, mm-hmm. but let's let's hear about the Langham Hotel. I do not know that hotel by name. What, what what's the Langham Hotel? Uh, so there is a Langham uh, Hotel in Chicago, too, but that I is mean... not the one that we're talking about. <laughs> I feel like a theme is happening here. <laughs> yes. We are talking about the Langham in London. So just okay. just to let you know what we're doing here is Ghostly Podcast a little different than most paranormal podcasts. We debate if ghost stories are real. And I happen to be the skeptic. So my major part is to go over the history of the topic before Rebecca gets to do all the fun stuff and talk about the ghost stories. Yay. So I'm going to go over a little bit of that. We're going to stick to our normal formula. Uh, We're going to be talking about one of the most alleged haunted hotels in the world. It's the Langham Hotel in London. The Langham is 155 years old. So pretty, pretty old, I'd say. Um, the oldest one from tonight. It was designed by John Giles and built between 1863 and 1865. It cost £300,000 at the time, which translates nowadays to about £28 million. Pounds. But I don't know what that is in dollars. Yeah, it that's, like that's a, a lot. lot of dollars. It's a lot. It's, yeah, it it's like more lot. dollars it's than pounds. <laughs> Uh, opening ceremonies were held on the 10th of, of June, 1865. So we're coming up on another anniversary for them. And it was performed by the then Prince of Wales. That's mm. how big of a deal this was, is that, you know, the the next in line for the throne was actually the one that did the ceremonies. Wow. Shortly af- after it opened, England was going through a rather tough economic time. And uh, the original owners had to liquidate their assets. So the next owners bought it for almost half the cost of its construction. Mm. So like 150,000 pounds. During World War II, the Langham was used in part by the British Army until it was damaged by bombs and was forced to close. Mm. During the Cold War, this is actually really interesting. I love spy stuff. During the Cold War, Guy Burgess stayed at the Langham, and he was one of the men responsible for selling official secrets to the Soviet Union. Mm. Mm. And that brings us through to today, where uh, Langham is considered a five-star hotel. It's very luxurious. Um, I, you know, I didn't stay there. I was there, though. So I've been to all three of these hotels that we've talked about. Um, it, It now has 380 rooms, which it's down from the 425 that it had at its height. And um, amongst the, the people that have stayed at the Langham, 
was Mark Twain, Princess <clears throat> Diana, Winston Churchill, Oscar Wilde, and Arthur Conan Doyle. In fact, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Sir, yeah. In fact, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle set the Sherlock Holmes stories a scandal in Bohemia and the sign oh. of four partly at the Langham. Oh, wow. Very so, good. Yeah, many guests have stayed uh, at the hotel, including English cricketers. I think that's how you say that, cricketers. Cricketers. Uh, Stuart Bond and Joe Root. I have no idea who they are. They're cricket. Joe ears. Root. Joe Root. The Joe, Joe Root. Root. <laughs> <laughs> they have they have reported citing mysterious phenomenon during their stay there. Oh, we're going to learn more about that. Yeah. Well, actually, sure. <laughs> I'm going to turn it over to you, Rebecca, to tell us the scary stuff about. Yeah, it. definitely. Um, so uh, you know, as Pat said, it shows up on. Uh, all the lists of the most haunted hotels, not just in Britain, but in the world. So uh, not only that, it's also known for having one of the most haunted hotel rooms. So it's interesting hearing the other stories tonight, especially the stuff about the Congress, because there's a, a lot of parallels that I think um, are kind of kind of in there. Uh, but the, the room that gets talked about the most for the Langham is room 333. Ooh, that's a good number. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting number, right? So, um, so again, as Pat told us, it's old. It's had a lot of famous guests. So it's not really all that surprising that it's had a lot of uh, different ghosts in it. Um, so there's a lot. There's a lot of ghosts. So I, I tried to narrow it down to some of the most popular uh, ones, the most commonly seen. Uh, the first is a German prince who committed suicide by jumping out the window of the fourth floor. He's been sighted walking through doors in the early morning and is said to be the most active ghost in the building and is found in the notorious room 333. You're supposed to look for a stocky man in a military jacket. Um, there is a honeymooning, honeymooning doctor who also committed suicide after murdering his wife. I think we can see a bit of a theme, right? Again, it kind of yeah. connects back to the Congress. Um, his ghost has also been seen in room 333, and he's also a man in uh, Victorian dress. He's in Victorian dress. Um, oh, there's like a party going on. In I know, right? Yeah. This room is crazy. It's like everything just kind of gets uh, tied to that room. Uh, there is a ghost who has a thing for tipping guests out of their bed while sleeping. Um, and that's that could, just rude. I know, right? There could be that could be in any room, but of course, in our favorite room, three, three, three. Reportedly, one guest was shook with such enthusiasm that the guest fled the hotel in the middle of the night. <laughs> um, there's also reports of a man with a gaping wound on his face who inhabits the hallways on the third floor. Um, there's also a fluorescent ball of light which coalesces into a human form, and the ghost of. Uh, now they say Emperor Napoleon the Third, which I don't really know is like Napoleon. I that think, is not the like Napoleon. the nephew or something like He's that. I don't. Yeah, um, but he lived during it lived in the Langham during his exile and can be spotted in the basement. Um, so I think some of the interesting things about this the stories is so there's lots of people that tell these stories. Um, uh, one thing I uh, I just want to mention, there was a, a journalist that I read. She went to stay there, and, and she didn't see anything. But what was interesting is she stayed in the room 333. And kind of similar to what you guys have said about the Congress, where all of the uh, – there they call them porters, right, instead of um, 
bellhop, but they, they were all like, what you're staying in three, three, three. And like, they kind of went with her. They're like, Oh my gosh, she's going in, she's going in, you know? And they were, <laughs> she said it was really like this weird experience. Um, but anyway, so it's, it's definitely something that even to this day, right. People, um, talk about, uh, but there's some famous people that have seen or claim to see, uh, have seen ghosts there. So the first of these is in 1973, a BBC journalist named James Alexander Gordon, was staying in the hotel in room 333. Um, the BBC is just across the street. And so they would actually keep uh, put up journalists there if they were like in from out of town. Um, and he woke up one night in October to see a fluorescent ball of light turning into the shape of a man with the lower half of his legs missing. The ghost was in extravagant Victorian evening wear and stared at Gordon before opening his arms and walking towards him. He ran out of the room. <laughs> he just wanted a hug. I guess so. I don't know. But this, I mean, this is a BBC journalist and this is the story that he tells. So I don't know that to me that's, and then there's other stories of, of BBC people just being freaked out and not wanting to be there. Right. Uh, and then the what Pat alluded to is in 2014, some members of the England cricket team were staying at the hotel when they had several creepy experiences. And this Vox actually reminded me of your story a little bit where the, I guess like the, the cricketers were staying there and a lot of their, their girlfriends and wives were like, uh, nope, we're leaving. And like they, yeah. there was a lot of that where it was just kind of like, nope, bad feelings were out. Um, or they just had trouble sleeping. So it was just that when you told that story, I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I yeah, wild. had, you know, read I read about. Um, but mm. specifically the story. So Stuart Broad um, is the one um, who's quoted in the Daily Mail. He said, it was so hot in the room. I just couldn't sleep. All of the sudden, the taps in the bathroom came on for no reason. I turned the lights on and the taps turned themselves off. Then when I turned the lights off again, the taps came back on. It was really weird. It really freaked me out. I ended up asking to move rooms. Uh, ben Stokes has had some problems sleeping as well. He's on the third floor, which is where a lot of the issues are. I'm telling you something weird's going on. Um, and <laughs> that was that was his quote to the to the newspaper. Uh, so lots of creepy things happening, lots of sightings, uh, lots of stories. And there you go. That's what I got. You turn off the lights and the water goes on. It sounds like typical European right? engineering. Really. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I was so I was wondering, does anyone uh, I kind of had read some stuff, but um Vox, I was wondering, do you, or, or Bob, or anybody, um, the significance of the 333? Like, there's a lot of, like, religious stuff with that, and I... Well, I mean, from what I know, uh, it, at 3 o'clock or 3.30 is allegedly the time when, when Christ actually died on the cross in the mm -hmm. afternoon, uh, which is where the whole, like, 666 and 3.30 in the morning a.m. is kind of like the antithesis of... of Jesus mm -hmm. and, and stuff when a lot of spooky stuff seems to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but, and then of course, just three being like a, a trinitarian number, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the father, son, the Holy spirit type thing that, mm -hmm. I mean, that's, 
that's the correlation that I get with 333 or whatever. Yeah. Also in magic, it is a, uh, it's very powerful, like a, like a pyramid with three yes. sides. And stuff. It's magic with a K by the way. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, anything mathematical that has some sort of a symbolic, uh, you know, I mean, like like a pyramid or a triangle. It, yeah. it, it, it seems perfect, so to speak. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. um, we we actually did have uh, another uh, viewer question yeah. from from Life Bomb, and this mm-hmm. is for Tony. Mm-hmm. So before you go to the bathroom, Tony, we have a question for you. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> this is from this is from viewer Life Bomb. Uh, Tony, have you personally ever experienced anything paranormal that you could not explain and made you believe that ghosts exist? And they also wanted to say they love your tours, by the way. Oh, well, thank you. Um, hmm. I, I've experienced a lot of weird things. Whether that will give me like 100% proof that ghosts exist, I would have to say no. Um, there's a long list of strange things that have happened that I just can't explain. Sure. But you're but you don't say oh because I can't explain it but it doesn't mean there's that it's a ghost. It doesn't necessarily mean it means it's something. Well, paranormal is supposed to be something that is beyond the normal. It can't be explained normally, so right. it would fall into that category. Now, whether that's a ghost or not, you know, who knows? Yeah. So and and you would just say that's it's paranormal. I get it. That makes it's paranormal sense. exactly. That makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. Patrick, you have a question. Yeah, Tony, uh, where would you say is the most haunted place in Chicagoland area, in your in your opinion? Well, we talked about it tonight, the Congress. The Congress. Um, yeah. Um, in the Chicagoland area, that covers quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> there's, and if you guys know about the um, St. James Cemetery, down in Lamont, off of Archer Avenue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There yeah, is something strange going on there. Ago. Yeah. And I've yeah, had some yeah, experiences definitely there, something too. strange. Now, yeah, have, yeah, have you ever been going able, on there? Have you ever gotten permission from them to do an investigation there at all? Not at night, not after dark. Not after dark, okay. During the day, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but um, I wish I could. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I've I've been in there after dark, uh, probably <laughs> illegally. When well, I was yeah, a wee little lad, and uh, I wasn't going to go there. But... Yeah, and I've experienced yeah. a lot of cold spots there. I mean, I think it's yeah. a microclimate. Microclimate. <laughs> Bob, what would you say is the most haunted spot in Chicagoland area? That's tough. Uh. From like sheer experience alone, I would say it'd be a toss-up between the Crown Point Jail in Northwest Indiana. My second would be Bachelor's Grove, and then probably the Congress because I actually had like experiences at all three things that like I can't explain. Sure. What about you, Vox? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, again, I don't know about you know overall but it much like bob my own personal experiences uh definitely between bachelor's grove uh i've had multiple experiences there which you know um which can be heard on my podcast eph 612 uh and uh resurrection cemetery uh off of archer avenue 
I've had some stuff go down there too. And um, yeah. So those, to me, that's just, that's the highest uh, activity that I personally experienced. I, I did not see Resurrection Mary though. You didn't get asked for a ride. <laughs> I'd pick her up. Right. I, you know, I had one question too. I just went, because we're we're doing hotels tonight, and again, it struck me some of the similarities. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder what why do we think when I was doing research for like what hotel to do. There are. We could just do a show called Haunted Hotels. Like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just be that. What yeah, do we easily. think about hotels, Tony? What do you think makes them susceptible to hauntings like this? Well, well it's definitely not you would have to say the suicide thing. I think a lot of people just rent out rooms just to commit suicide in them. Yeah, Plus, yeah. with so many many of these hotels, you know, they're old hotels, and they've had so much happen yeah. in them throughout the years that you think a lot of that energy is just trapped in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that would have a lot to do with it. Yeah, I agree with Tony. I would even venture to far, so far as to say that any place that has a mass amount of public interaction, like a a train mm-hmm. station or, uh, you know, uh, a, an airport mm-hmm. or uh, anything that has like just constant, cause everybody has their own life. They have their own story. Each individual, you know, when they come and go through certain, you know, thoroughfares, you know, it's, they carry everything with them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I think right. uh, like Tony said, like, it's just so much is, is so much energy is being transferred. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it's, it's a hot spot. You know, I would yeah. add to it that, I think, even, let's say a story, let's look at your guys' episode, Ghostly, about the uh, Clown Hotel, right? Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think the Clown Hotel's haunted, but I think people come up with stories about hotels, whether or not they're true or not, too, because there's a certain level of discomfort with a hotel, right? Mm-hmm. It's a home away from home. You're expecting the same sort of comfort and protection you have in your own home like you would but you're on the road so a lot of ghost stories and stuff are going to try to come up to maybe scare you or make you feel uncomfortable and the best places to strike for those are places that you would feel the most comfortable at and a hotel like i said it's a home away from home mm-hmm. so a lot of these places you might be traveling for work and you feel isolated and it just happens you know mm-hmm Interestingly enough, I mean, I, I, I traveled a lot uh, when I was in the music industry and there were plenty of hotels that there was no, no anything. It just, it just, it was just the next hotel and it it was fine. You know, there was nothing weird. Uh, But then every once in a while, there just would be a weird hotel and it'd just be like, oh, and and, and, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of, um, I was in Nashville and Mm. the, the Hilton in Nashville lovely hotel um nothing uh nothing wrong with it nothing at all uh and then i went to another hotel in franklin tennessee just you know 30 minutes away and it was the creepiest place but it was they were both hilton hotels and they were both like they looked almost identical but the, the one in downtown nashville just seemed fine but then the other one was just creepy it's just weird oh, yeah. it's just weird how that happens mm-hmm. uh, also you guys you guys uh, had all these wonderful stories about these luxurious uh, hotels uh i, I want to talk about the motel six on route 30 in joliet now that one uh, 
No, all joking aside, but I, I was serious for like half half serious. Um, just before we moved into our house last year, um, we had a, a few day overlay from when we sold our house and bought the new house, and so we stayed at the Motel Six in Juliet <laughs> off of Route Thirty. Um, not because I wanted to. Um, I wanted to stay at the very nice Holiday Inn Suites. But uh, just financially, it just made more sense to just say, you know what, we're literally just going to sleep there. Let's just. So we did the Motel Six. Um, to Motel Six's credit, it is not your grandfather's Motel Six. Okay. okay. It, they, they are nice. They are really nice. Uh, but there was there was something going on there. There was definitely something going on there, and um, you know whether you whether you deal with paranormal or spirituality. Uh, anybody with experience or a lot of experience with any of that stuff uh, would tell you that when the women in your family are uncomfortable, you pay attention to that. And so I, I noticed some some very uncomfortability uh, for the women in my family, and it was very weird. Wow. Um, and there was there was definitely something going on. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, and your I, wife I, is a tough lady too. So for is, her to be uncomfortable, is. that's that's saying she a lot. Doesn't, she doesn't really. It's not that she doesn't subscribe to some of the same theories that I have, but she's less likely to be in, in, in that thing. But so when she's like, uh, I'm, I'm like, all right, I, I'm on it, you know. But <laughs> um, but one night when we were there, uh, I ended up walking down to talk to the the concierge of the Motel 6. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, uh, I, I needed a pillow. We hadn't needed an extra pillow. And I asked her if, if, if we could get a pillow. And uh, she said, oh, man. I was like, what? And she's like, I I really wish you hadn't asked that. And I go, why? She goes, because I have to go down this hallway to get it. And I was like, what's the problem with the hallway? She's like, I I just don't want to do it. And I was like, okay, how about if I go with you? And she's like, you can't go with me because it was like employees only or whatever. Hmm. I was like, how about you leave the door open and I'll talk to you while you go down? (laughs) You're like, I just well, want this pillow. Come I just on. want this pillow. Was the pillow. But I, but I, as a dad, like, yeah. I got it, you know? So I was like, I understand. Like, you're clearly terrified. But then I'm thinking, like, she works here. What is she terrified of, you know? Like, right. Uh, but it was it was enough that she didn't care that I was a guest. And, and she was just like, she really did not want to have to go do it. Mm. And I was like, wow. So, yeah, it, there was there was some some freaky stuff. Did you get your pillow? I got my pillow. Oh, okay. <laughs> ain't going to scare me. <laughs> I, want my, I want my pillow. <laughs> but, but, the, but the motel was very nice, and I was, I was, I was actually very happy with the hotel. Mm-hmm. The motel. Yeah, I'd say hotels, man. There's just something about them. It's, mm-hmm. it's really surprising. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I think uh, we, we've had a wonderful hour here. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to take this opportunity to just uh, ask everybody, do we have any final comments about uh, that in which we have discussed this evening? Uh, I have Patrick. to say that I would stay at any one of the hotels that we that we talked about <laughs> in any of those mm-hmm. rooms. Give me 333-441-666, double deuce. I don't care. I'm staying there. And the Motel 6 on Route 30 in Joliet. Sure, and I'll, I'll ask for an... Two <laughs> Look, as long as the hotel has a good continental breakfast, I'm sold either way, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I think Dahmer loves so much about the. <laughs> <laughs> I see where you went there. Oh, that that's funny. that's. I was holding on to that one Fox, for the whole show. Fox, that's that's awful. <laughs> I was holding on to that for the whole show. Jeez. Um, all right. All right. Um, <laughs> 
Well, uh, I just want get... to take one yeah. second, though, to um, thank Tony for coming on the show. Thank you, Tony. Uh, Tony, thank Tony you. was on our Eastland disaster, not Easter Island I knew that was coming up. I yeah. can't get away from that. <laughs> and, um, you know, we he's he's been a, like a go-to source for us throughout this whole time we've been doing Ghostly. Um, and he's brutally honest with me. Like when we were going to do our H.H. Holmes episode, <laughs> he messaged me and said, I haven't heard anything about H.H. Holmes. So, you mm-hmm. know, that was... I haven't. No. And that was brutally honest, and that's what I appreciate. Um, and... Also, well, I would you. like to uh, thank Vox for hosting this. Um, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we, I, I love EPH six twelve. Uh, your episode with interview with an exorcist. Sorry that we called it that, even though you said I'm not an exorcist. It's, it's all right. I mean, I, I technically. If you want to be, if yeah. you want to be scared, go listen to that. <laughs> that that was one of my favorite episodes <laughs> of all times, and. Um, I, I'm so glad that you know you you came on and you have been a um, you've been a mentor to me throughout this whole podcasting. Wow, well, thing. thank you. And I really really appreciate your guidance and support and all the help that you've given me and your friendship too. So well, that means that means a lot, and and I'm so proud of everything you guys are all doing, and uh, I, I love listening to everything you guys are doing. Uh, even you, Bob, I love your show. Oh, it's thank great. You. Uh, and yeah, I, and you know, I'm just, I'm so glad to, uh, to be able to afford the opportunity to have us do all this fun stuff and, and to reach out to the community and public and let them get to hear our silly opinions and thoughts about all different things. And I think it's great. I think it's a lot of fun. And I, and I love this. Thank you for having me here tonight. And, um, you know, thanks for putting up with our silliness. And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Let's, let's take this opportunity to kind of plug everybody's show. Um, just because, you know, we want, we we have a lot of different things going on here. Um, uh, Bob, let's start with you. Uh, Bob after dark is a weekly podcast that you can find wherever you listen to podcasts out. I come out every Friday. Um, I used to be a radio talk show host with the same name, but unfortunately I'm not on the radio at the moment due to COVID. So you can catch the show every week on podcast land. Uh, my newest episode just came out today. It is on Harry Price's most famous investigation of the Borley Rectatory in England. Rectory. Rectory. That's the word I'm looking for. Wow. Rectory. The Borley Rectory. Harry Price being the world's first prolifically weird paranormal investigator. I did his bio piece last week. This week I'm talking, I talked about his investigations. You can check that out. I was also just on Ghostly recently. You guys can go listen to the, uh, the Von Eric family curse episode which is really good. So I, I wanted to plug ghostly real quick. Such an amazing, amazing story. Yes. So if you guys, I was just on ghostly. So check that out as well. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Tony, you are stuck at home during the (laughs) outbreak, but when this all clears, Mm -hmm. where are people going to be able to, to find you? Well, hopefully I'll be back out there giving ghost tours for Chicago hauntings. Um, hopefully Lincoln park, maybe some other walking tours. Eventually, we might get the bus tours going. I do have uh, coming up some paranormal uh, investigation events, including one at a place that Bob mentioned earlier, the Crown Point Jail in uh, Indiana, July 11th. Um, That one looks like it's going to be a go. Uh, We had one scheduled for May 23rd at the Masonic Lodge in 
Freeport, Illinois, but that one has to be rescheduled. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully, all these things will start back up again once things start opening up and you know life returns to something resembling normal. Absolutely. And Rebecca and Patrick, where can people hear your voices? Uh, they can hear us on Ghostly Podcast, and we are a bi. Well, every other week, bi-weekly. It's hmm. like every fortnight is the Ooh, <laughs> of the fortnight. Oh. Fortnightly uh, uh, podcast. Uh, you can find us anywhere you listen to, to great podcasts. Um, uh, you can go to our website and listen. You can go to YouTube and listen and watch us. Um, and uh, we are also um, doing, well, I'm doing a series of uh, creepy bedtime stories where I like to uh, read creepy stories to put you to sleep. Because that's that's when we want when we go to bed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, and you that's can find goal. that on our YouTube channel that you're watching this on, or if you're listening to this someplace else, uh, just go to YouTube.com/slash Ghostly Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, our next episode is going to be on the Bell Witch, which we're really excited about. Uh, our last episode was on ghost pets, and it's actually a really. It's, a it's almost episode. like a spooky story that we have in there. We have an interview that has some interaction. Yeah, we had an interview and then like something happened after the interview. Anyways, it's really good. You should definitely check it out. Um, And then I also wanted to mention, um, even though it's not on right now because, um, uh, you know, the TV series, but uh, we do the Walking Dead podcast um, for the DVMP. um, And uh, I love doing it. Uh, Unfortunately, the last episode of the season, we're still waiting for it. (laughs) Um, But we have a lot of fun. We talk about the woes and the what's. Uh, and, and it's just quick and fun and I love recording it. So I should definitely check that out too. Vox, where could, or what, what do you have going on? Uh, I, I, a little bit of everything and nothing at the same time right now. Um, but yeah, if people are interested in anything that I'm doing, uh, I do, I do comedy, I do music, I do, uh, acting, I do podcasting. Uh, just go to davidvoxmullen.com. It's got everything you can find there. D-A-V-I-D-V-O-X-M-U-L-L-E-N.com. And yeah, you'll see all the ridiculousness that I spend my time doing. Uh, one more thing before we go. Uh, Life Bomb has asked, how about a ghostly tour with everyone from the panel today? I'm Tony, down. would you be up for that? Sounds good for me, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we're going to plan that, Life Bomb. And um, we'll let you know about that. I'm a little concerned about the name. But we will. I think I think we should all visit the Motel Six in Joliet. <laughs> that should be the start of that. Sounds good. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Something's going on there. I don't know. <laughs> the pillows, man. The, the, pillow, the haunted pillows. <laughs> haunted pillows. <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank uh, you. As always, we we appreciate you for listening and, and viewing. Thank you for your questions, everybody who participated tonight, and uh, we'll catch you on another round. Thanks so much. Stay ghostly. Bye. Bye.